Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. My podcasts often deal with distressing situations which are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. Some of what I discuss may trigger uncomfortable emotions. If that does occur, please reach out to Lifeline, Beyond Blue or any other support service or person you feel comfortable with. Please keep in mind that there's always two sides, sometimes more, to every story. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs. Not everybody will agree with them. I never want to tell any guest what to say or what not to say. So there will always be others that see it differently. And I understand that. Hello, I'm Narelle Fraser. I was a cop with Victoria Police for 27 years, 15 of those as a detective, having dealt with all types of crime, from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. I witnessed the effect crime has on those involved and became one of those victims myself in 2012 when I was diagnosed with PTSD. However, out of adversity comes other opportunities like this, my own podcast. I'm still pinching myself. Thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. I guess I have a label now of being a criminal. I don't hold my head high for my crime, but I do hold my head high for owning my crime and paying for it. Today is the second part of my interview with Cathy, who was a grandma when she was incarcerated for theft. I want to reiterate that neither Kathy nor I are hiding from the fact that she hurt people, people very, very close to her. Do you think that Kathy deserves a second chance? Well, I'll let you have a listen and decide. Again, thank you very much. Tell me about some of the women that you served time with. Like, have you remained friends with them? Look, I've tried to make a habit when I came out that I probably wouldn't keep contact um, only because I sort of felt that, you know, I needed to get on with my life um, and it is a different social set completely in prison too. Um, and, and some of the women in prison that, yeah, you may have got on with in prison but you know they wouldn't really be someone you would choose to be a friend outside of prison. Um, and I'm trying to say that with, with much love, you know. Um, but, look, yeah, look, oh, we had women 
probably about 60 women at Tarangara. It was quite small. Some were in there like me for fraud, um, some for drug convictions, um, some for trafficking, trafficking drugs. Um, one in particular, poor lady, but I did feel sorry for her. She was quite a vulnerable, gullible lady, but she was from Queensland and she met a guy online and, um, of course, you know, as time went on, she ended up going back over overseas to meet him and he promised to come back out in three months' time, so he sent her back to Australia. And uh, she had to stop off at Tullamarine before she got a flight to Brisbane and when they checked the bags at Tullamarine, it was um, lined with drugs, So, which she claimed she knew nothing about. He'd set her up so she'd never heard from him again and, of course, she's been incarcerated for about five years in Victoria while all her family's in Queensland. So for five years she'll have absolutely no visits from anyone. So that was, you know, a, a sad one. Um, look, manslaughter, including, you know, car accidents causing death, um, yeah. one yeah. or two on the tail end of a long murder sentence were there, um, drug-affected women who ran down and seriously injured their ex-partners. There was a few of them. Um, I'm sure there was. Yeah, yeah, just there was a real variety. But look, I, I don't make light of any of the crimes women were in there for. But listen, Narelle, I have to mention most seriously that between 70 to 90% of women incarcerated are victims before they become perpetrators of domestic violence. Family violence statistics for incarcerated women mm. are rife. Mm. And so what's that from? That is from them retaliating or r- responding to the violence with violence themselves, mm. yeah? There, there were women in there that actually um, were in for either manslaughter or, or, you know, serious bodily harm because they were defending themselves. Mm. Yep. There's no, no such thing now as, um, I think they call it domestic homicide, is that correct? Yes. yes. Yeah, I think yes. that went out several years ago. Um, yeah. So there's none of that. Um, so, you know, some women were like, you know, face-to-face with their partner and mm. it's either him or me um, and they pay for it. So, you know, that's really sad because then it's a whole family that's um, mm. Mm punished as well, children and what have you, which is is another podcast altogether. You know, we can talk about Absolutely. what is it can we do yeah. as a society yeah. to to prevent it getting to this stage. Yeah, you're right. I, I, Before prison, what is it we can do mm-hmm. out there in society to prevent it ever getting to that stage and I know now there's so much out there about protecting women with family violence and all that sort of thing but gosh we have a long way to go. Yeah we do and um, I would agree I think that would be a podcast in itself. All on its own absolutely yeah Yeah, I could talk for a long time on that. I Um, I might hold you to that actually (laughs) Kathy. Yeah, I'm I'm very strong about it because I, I've seen it firsthand and, you know, I've spoken to these women. I did a bit of mentoring in prison um, and I actually wanted to do a paper while I was in prison on um, 
on, on that subject exactly and I had to go to the governor, governor and try and get permission and, and the rights to do that um, and I was refused in the end. It did go right up the hierarchy um, to corrections but in the end it was said no. Um, and it was a privacy reasons even though no names or whatever were used. Um, it was something I couldn't do and I was really disappointed in that because some of the the, the statistics were just amazing. Um, and the stories behind them, and the, the, the desperate, the, the desperate women—you know—that that just wanted to survive. They wanted out, and and if that was the only way out, they were prepared to go to prison for a number of years, just so they could be released and then get on with their lives without having, you know, without having that. That, that man in their life um, that was abusing them and their children. It's just horrific. Yes, um, it is. But then there's the reverse and I think to myself, to be fair, I understand that, but you can't kill somebody or maim them, you know, for life and not pay a price. And I think the, exactly. the, the fact that they've got kids um, – I just, yeah, I struggle a little bit with this because um, I think most people know I'm very, you know, strong about women and women's rights and everything. But I also feel that men um, that um, assault people as well, they should be treated, women and men should be treated the same within reason. I mean, if you're protecting yourself, how do you get to jail through the court system and everything if if you're just protecting yourself because if you are protecting yourself, that is a, a reason uh, why you have uh, – why you've committed that offence. And if, and if you genuinely are protecting yourself or your kids, you shouldn't be in jail. But anyway, again, that's a whole podcast and, as I said, I'm going to take you up on that. Um Tell me how you found the prison guards and the general prison staff because I've got to say on reading your journal, I was really surprised at how you were treated or how they treated you. Yeah, look, I, I think Dame Phyllis, um, they're pretty pretty tough there um, mm. but I can understand why they would probably need to be. Mm. Um, yeah, but certainly um, at Karen Gower, um, I found them um, – I found them really good. Like, yeah, of course you're going to get some that um, are a bit tougher than others and, you know, it's the same in any mix, isn't it? Um, but, yeah, as I said earlier, I'd always been raised to respect police and those in the authorities. So um, while in Tarangawa, that certainly served me well. Um, there were a couple of screws who were not very nice and liked the power of authority and had no trouble... Um, I guess, abusing it given any opportunity, particularly towards vulnerable women. Um, that, that's quite typical. Um, I saw it several times and it saddened me to think that they could use that power in an inappropriate way. But, however, I respected the officers and it fairly well played back to me. Uh, the first time I met my case worker at Tarangawa, I think it was in the first 48 hours I was there, I was so scared because I'd been given her name and I said, oh, my case worker's Miss blah, blah, blah. And the old other ones that had been there, the other um, – uh, inmates that have been there for a while went, oh, my God, you know, you must have killed 10 Chinamen. She's the worst. They all 
despised her. And they called her Vinegar Tits. That was her nickname because we did have nicknames for different screws. But her nickname was Vinegar Tits, which was from Prisoner. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've got Vinegar Tits as my case manager. Oh, God, kill me now. But anyway, within weeks, um, I realised that I was the lucky one. She was an amazing caseworker. She went by the book, but she also went above and beyond to ensure that I wasn't led astray by other prisoners and that I was kept busy every day with study, work or programs. I really had to answer to her and um, and she would push me. Some days I'd go, oh, God, is she having a day off yet, you know, but it was great because it's what got me to my parole. Like when I got to parole, it was just no question. They looked back on what I'd done and what I'd achieved. And it was all in your favour. Absolutely. So she was really, really good. Um, you know, we, it's not only that. We had had other workers there, not just the um, the officers, but, you know, in the education um area we had uh, a lovely lady that um had was by bendigo tafe because angered institute bendigo tafe um you know provided a lot of uh, study courses for us so um we had a lady running the education department and she was fabulous um she came from a background as well that um she could relate um not necessarily herself but other other extended family members or what have you, that um, she had a little bit of understanding of the justice system. And, by gosh, you know, that makes such a big difference because they know where you're coming from. They know what you're saying. They understand what you're saying. And they help you in ways outside of the square that maybe others wouldn't. Mm. And that really makes a big difference. Yeah, big, big almost, difference. almost like a lived experience, even though that woman hadn't yeah. lived it herself, but she understood I think that would go an enormous long way. So do you think that serving jail time helped you in any way or how did it help you? Yeah, well, look, jail isn't the best place to be, even if on a farm out in the beautiful countryside. And there is a lot of talk these days about not sending women to jail with low-end crimes and short sentences, but rather some form of home detention and programs. Uh, once again, that's another whole podcast, Narelle. Yes, we've got <laughs> three lined simply, up now. <laughs> yeah, but simply for me, personally, yep. um, prison, I needed time. I needed time to get off the roller coaster my life had become. I needed time to put 100% effort into me. I would never have dealt so deeply with my past if not for the wonderful programs in prison that helped me to delve deep into my fears and face them head on. Okay. So, yes, it changed me and I like who I have become. In saying that, mm. others may not. I suppose, Cathy, that there was a point when you were right into your offending with the the. Um, stealing the money that you wouldn't have liked yourself? Would I be right there? Absolutely. I hated myself. I hated what I was doing. Um, and I know that is really hard for people to understand. Um, I hated what I was doing. And it is like a drug. 
it is a type of drug, you know. Um, I wanted to get caught in the end and I do remember in the end setting little traps so I could be caught. How ridiculous is that? I was, let's just say I was. uh, You were so far in, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just like I was careless and it was like, oh, well, if I get caught, I get caught. But there was a part of me that wanted to get caught. And in doing all that over that three years, yes, um, I hated myself, which also then brought on severe depression um, and the anxiety of, of being caught. It was like an adrenaline um, and it wasn't nice. So um, I, I really was glad when it all came out. It was such a big relief. I knew that, you know, the only way it could stop was for me to be caught. Mm. And I suppose um, the first thing I think of there is, yes, um, you were putting little signs out to get caught, but I suppose the easy way out would have been to put your hand up and say, this is what I'm doing, but that's not something I imagine that you like to admit what you were doing to somebody. I imagine that would have been just too hard or yeah 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 yeah. well I guess it just never even crossed my mind yeah um yeah I don't know as I said it's like a drug maybe a drug addict wouldn't necessarily put their hand up and go oh look you know or an alcoholic it's they have to get to that point in their life yeah where there is no turning back and you hit that 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 bottom of that deep dark tunnel and the only way is up where I was at. Yeah, yeah. It It's sort of, it's refreshing in a way to think that uh, jail has helped you because you hear of so many people where they just, um, it's like a revolving door. They're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. And, yeah. and even in that nine months, Norella, I saw that. I saw that and um, even though I have kept contact with just a couple of girls who are out at the moment, um, uh, you sort of hear through them, you know, who's gone back in and um, once again they're, they're still going back in. It's just a revolving door mm-hmm. and that that's really pitiful, you yeah, know. Uh, tell me about the day that you got out of jail. Oh, wow, <laughs> much excitement. Uh, that morning, um, yeah, the girls were in my room, you know, they were fussing with my hair and putting makeup on, all that girly stuff, you know. Yeah. I think they'd even my nails. And, and then at muster at 8.30, um, I said goodbye to the officers who had come down to my unit to say good luck and, and a heap of other women were all there too. And the good thing I found about prison was the sisterhood. It was quite amazing, you know. The women were happy for you and that's the one thing that always surprised me. We always tried to relish in each other's milestones. Um, but, yeah, I remember walking out of the gates with my belongings to uh, towards the um, car park uh, and I get teary even thinking about this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, my beautiful daughter and my son were waiting for me. And a little voice running towards me, just yelling at Manuna, Manuna. 
and it was my four-year-old grandson. He ran through the barriers and came towards me and, and hugged me and it was. It was the best feeling ever. Yeah. Like I knew I was home, you know. Um, I didn't look back at the prison the whole time. Um, only the girls who were at the barriers yelling goodbye and good luck to me, they're all crazy. Um, I got in the car and I just said to my daughter, let's go, just go. And I never looked back. We, we just drove off. Um, yeah, so it, it was a very emotional day. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, and, and there was a bit of self-achievement too because it was like, I've done it. I've done this. I've only got nine more months to go on parole, which to me was quite easy because my parole conditions were, were, were super easy. Um, and I'm like, oh, I've done it. So there was a little bit of, yeah, a little bit of um, pride there, I, I guess. Um, but, yeah, um, and, and, of course, I came out right on COVID. At the beginning of COVID, another COVID had just. Jail. Well, that's another podcast. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Coming out of jail and going straight into COVID. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so so that was another one, um, another podcast. Because honestly, there were times last year when I thought, "Gosh, it'd be easier back in prison. I'd have more freedom than what I've got here." But uh, anyway. It, it was, yeah, it was interesting. So I went off, um, we, we drove straight to Maryborough where I met with my back row worker um, and she had a certain amount of money. That Can I you just explain who's, who's back row? Tell we nobody will know what that is. Okay, VACRO, I'm not too sure what DACRO stands for, so excuse my ignorance, but um, it, it's an organisation which is absolutely amazing. They, um, they support and help people coming out of prison. They okay. help to yep. set them up, you know, with housing or if they need white goods. And, and please don't think that, oh, that's right, people get out of prison and they get all this stuff, you know. They don't. There are some people who actually would get out of prison and without VACRO would be living on the streets. Mm. Mm. So these people will actually help you get like um, uh a home in a or a room in a boarding place or whatever, and you know if if you do have somewhere to go and you haven't got a fridge, well, they will get one from St. Vinny's for you or something like that. So it's here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And it's all about ensuring that you won't go out and reoffend. Because if you're going to throw somebody out onto the streets and they've got nowhere to live, they've got, you know, mm-hmm. nowhere to um, or no money to do anything, what are they going to do? Yeah, you're right. You know, they're going to get back into the drugs. They're going to steal. They're going to whatever. So it isn't about setting them up in beautiful homes with, you know, everything that opens and shuts. It's the very basic. So I was lucky. I didn't need any of that. But... For each prisoner, depending on um, their status on release or their, their needs on release, um, the, the VACRO have a certain amount of money. So I was blessed that um, my VACRO worker took me to Kmart just to buy me some new clothes. So it was basically, you know, your, your underwear and I think I got a pair of shoes and, and things like that. So that was lovely and she got to meet my family and um, and then I came home drove home to my country town with the family and my back row worker um, kept in contact with me for about three weeks. Um, but, yeah, some people can have back row workers for up to six months, even nine months. It just depends on their needs. Um, but I, I had support systems and stuff, so I was okay. What a what a wonderful organisation! Aren't there some incredible people and organisations? And until you've actually needed it or thought about it, you don't you don't think about people that do this. So there's people who've got a job that meet you or whoever it out, whoever else it be, come out of jail and they give them a little bit of money. They like. Really, what a, what an incredible yeah organisation. Yeah. I mean, I had a little I had a little bit of my own money, which was great. The money I had earned, um, so I, I got that, which was a couple of hundred dollars, I think, from the prison. So that was given to me. Um, yeah, and then the Vacro people, which is yeah, just amazing. Um, they just look after you so well. I've never heard of them. I think what <laughs> just amazing. And so, what sort of response did you receive from those who'd known you prior to going to jail? Did I imagine you would have got a variety of responses coming out? Yeah, yeah. Look, I have lost some friends and family, um, for that matter. But you know, I've also gained some Narelle. Um, those friends I have lost um, saddens me, but 
I can't I can't change what they think. Um, all I can do is learn to accept it and to find ways to get on with my life without letting it eat at me. Um, I know I did wrong um, and, yeah, look, I know that they've hurt too. But I, I can't change what people think um, or if they are ashamed to socialise with me now. It, it's funny, you know, how people remember the bad you have done, but, gosh, they never never remember all the good in your 59 years of life, do they? Mm. And I suppose that's something that you, you also can't take away what you've done. You are you admit it, you've um done you you know, you know what you've done was wrong. And you know, unfortunately I suppose um the consequences of that will be losing friends and losing trust or whatever it be. And it's I imagine it'd be a bloody hard road to come back and try and gain that trust again. Oh absolutely but you know I guess I have a label now of being a criminal. And to me, labels belong on jars, not people. So, and no one is perfect. Mistakes come in all shapes and sizes. I don't hold my head high for my crime, but I do hold my head high for owning my crime and paying for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so talking about um, integrating back into um, society, how difficult has it been? Has there been stumbling blocks? Oh, gosh, yeah. And, look, it hasn't been easy because, as I said before, I came out right at the beginning of COVID, so lockdown did have a big effect on me um, too. I wanted to do so much when I got out. Um, I had big plans, but I couldn't. Um, I was on parole for the first nine months, um, which was no biggie because my conditions were very basic, but it was weekly phone contacts with my, um, you know, with my parole officer. Um, and I have to admit that, that was very, very frustrating. Um, he, he did say to me one day on the phone, you know, he said, oh, Kathy, you know, what, what job would you like? And I just said, I want yours. He said, I beg your pardon? <laughs> I said, I want yours. Gutsy. <laughs> yeah. He said, oh, oh okay, well, why? I said, I'll tell you why. Because I said, when I talk to you each week, all you can say to me is, mm, I know how you feel. Mm, yeah, I know how you feel. And I said, guess what? You have no idea how I feel. But I said, if I had your job and someone from just out of prison was asking me this question, I would be able to say, I know how you feel. Because I said, I would. And it's called, once again, the living experience. Lived experience, yeah. Yeah, not necessarily lived because lived is a past. Living, I'm still living it, you know. And he just went, oh, wow, oh, okay. Well, I'll try not to say that to you again. I said, good, because I said, you don't know how I feel. And it was very frustrating, you know. But, um, oh, look, I ended up taking up study because I couldn't get out and about and do what I wanted to do. So um, I've nearly finished a two-year it was, it's a two-year diploma of community service, services and I've nearly completed that in just nine months. Um, and I've also done a, a long list of short courses as well. So um, in that sense, I've kept myself busy. But turning to uh, 
turning to volunteer work was one of the most rewarding that I've ever done. Mm. And that was going to be my next question. So um, I was moving on to WAM. Tell me about WAM and how you came to know about that. Yeah, well, WAM, women and mentoring, that's basically been my lifesaver. Um, I wanted to do something of a volunteering nature and I thought using my experiences with the justice system in prison would be ideal. So I sought out different organisations myself and after talking to the amazing executive officer, Trisha Chumper um, from WAM, I wanted to be in. I couldn't get in quick enough. Um, It's an organisation that aims to provide early intervention and prevention support to women who have been or are likely to be charged with a criminal offence. It involved lots of training, um, Zoom training and many sessions to ensure that this was for me and I was beyond excited when I was accepted. So as mentors, we help women by giving them support at court offering personal and practice practical assistance and helping them to find and use, use community resources. Um, but a huge, huge part of it also involves empowering the women as best we possibly can and giving them hope, strength and resilience for the road that is ahead of them. So how do you give um, them that? How do you give them strength and how do you give them resilience or do you teach them certain tools? There's or? certain skills. We can do certain skills. We, um, I, the girl I'm mentoring at the moment, you know, I give her small goals um, because she's got a very long road ahead of her. Mm. So at the moment it's just very small goals and when she achieves them, um, it's like, you know, we want to set off fireworks. It's, <laughs> it's amazing, you know, and, and I can hear it in her voice. I can see it in her face. She's just like, wow, I can do this, you know. So it's empowering her that, you know, um, the road ahead is going to be tough, but with support you can do it. You know, no one is incapable of doing anything. Look at me. I've been through, the, through jail. I never thought I'd survive a day in jail. I survived and I survived well. So, you know, and using my lived experiences, I use examples. Like, um, you know, I'll say to her, look, you know, as, as I said with my parole officer, I've, I've, done, I've done it so I can, I can tell you how it feels and that's what I'll do to her. I'll say, well, when I was in that position, when I first had to go to court for my first mention, this is what happened in court. This is how long it took and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter how many books that you read or how many, um, uh, you know, pamphlets you get about it, nothing beats somebody having been through that. I, I couldn't agree more. Yep. And I'll say to her, this is, this is where you will sit. This is where the judge will be. This is where, you know, and and I go through all that with her. And her biggest fear at the moment is when her big trial comes on um, is the victim's family. And I, I, yeah, but as I've said to her, that's down the track. Let's work on these little goals first and by then hopefully we will have um, the power and the resilience um, to face um, 
what our feelings are going to be and how we're going to cope on that day with the victim's family right in front of me. So is she is she on uh, is she remanded at the moment or is she out and you're going visiting her or how? Yes, no, be- she's out. Um, she was in prison for a period of time um, for quite a while actually when she was first charged. Yeah. Um, okay. And then so she was on remand in DPFC. Um, however, I think it was in about January the prisons let out. Uh, quite a few of those on remand okay. um, out into the community on bail that were, you know, low offenders in their eyes or those that weren't a risk to the community, simply because there's more people in remand in prison, on remand in prison, than what there are those that are sentenced, which is another podcast, Narelle. Yeah, we're up to four. Yep. Okay. We're up to four. <laughs> yes, that is, that is horrific at the moment. Yeah. The amount yeah. of people on remand in prison, it's... Yeah, ludicrous. Um, particularly for low effect, you know, low low offences. And and so when you say a long road, she's obviously uh, waiting to be sentenced. Or the, no, I think you said the trial. And so, yes, she's got a trial coming up. Okay, so from what you're saying, it's not going to be nine months. It's probably no. It's a three week trial, and oh, okay, um, right. Okay. It will be quite daunting for for, for everybody. Yeah. Um, everybody so, involved. So yeah. would you with Wham? You're helping her now, but what happens? Would you say sit with her in court, or would you go and visit her after she's sentenced? Like, when does Wham's role finish as such? Um, it would finish, I guess, when the prisoner feels, or the the, the person feels that they don't really need the supports anymore. We have supports in place. Um, I can see this this young girl being a part of my life for quite some time. Um, you know, she hasn't got a lot of family support. In fact, she hasn't got any. Um, some of the court cases she's been to, uh, court hearings she's been to before I came along, um, she's told me she had no one to sit with except the security officer. Mm-hmm. And that breaks my heart because nobody should have to go through that. Um, so, yeah, I will be with her throughout her trial um, and explaining, you know, the, the process of the jury because that, that will, will happen in the first week, no doubt, um, and, and how they pick the jurors. That's quite a lengthy process. And, um, yeah, I will be with her for every step of the, the, the trial. And, look, if she gets sentenced, um, imprisoned, um, I will endeavour to be applying to corrections um, for permission to be able to visit her. Mm. It sounds to me like you've found a purpose, you know, found your thing. I guess I have in a sense because I've always been a very nurturing person Um, and, you know, if I can help somebody in any way, I will. And I also believe that it's the same old cliche, you know, I haven't been through this for nothing. I don't want to be through this for nothing. I want to have a purpose at the end of this. Maybe this was my my path that, you know, the universe has put me on. I don't know. But if, if I can help her um, or anyone else that I'm doing in, in the mentoring program in any way, um, it, it just makes my journey a little bit more, 
I don't know, worthwhile. I'm not saying stealing is worthwhile, not by any means, but the, the journey of prison, you know, um, and it has opened my eyes to a world that I knew existed, but as you said, unless you've travelled that journey, you have no idea what's involved. No, no, you're right. And, and so when what what would you tell other people who are about to be released? Like what would you tell them? Basically, to me, I think if you're being released, whether it be on parole or whether it's um, – you know, you don't have parole and it's just a, a, a straight um, um, straight release, something like that they call it. Um, but whatever it is, you have been judged. You have done your time. Yes. Freedom is yours. It's now yours. And you've got to remember it's not a right. Freedom is a privilege. But you've also got to remember that you have done the hard yards inside. So take what you have learnt with you. Don't ever look back. There will always be bumps in the road and judgmental people. And don't be afraid to reach out for help. Always remember small steps. Keep working on yourself, stay focused and give yourself credit where it is warranted. Do you think that you'll ever be able to prove to someone that you can be trusted again? And, like, how do you build that trust? That is a really, really good question and I wish there was a simple answer. I can tell you till the cows come home that I wouldn't even pinch an apple from the supermarket, that you can trust me 110%, but I still have this criminal record hanging over my head and that's where the doubt will always lie. But I guess in everyday living and actions and being upfront, um, if I'm ever questioned, I never lie about it. I don't run around telling people I've got a criminal record. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. Um, but, but certainly, you know, um, I might say to someone, oh, if we're having a conversation about something and and it sort of veers a little bit towards, you know, justice or wham or something like that, and I might say, well, you, you do know I've got a criminal record, don't you? Mm. And most times people will go, oh, yeah, you yeah, know. Yep. Um, but if, if, they, if they ask, I tell them because there's no point lying, there's no point hiding. Um, but, look, even though it's easier said than done, try and get involved in your community um, and do some volunteer work like what I've done. It doesn't have to be something as big as wham. It can be something as little as helping sorting the clothes at St Vinnie's, you know. Um, and at the end of the day, it's... Just getting that one person, Narelle, one person who will simply give you a go, an opportunity to prove yourself. Mm. And, you know, I, I would love um, for anybody listening that um, is, you know, prepared to contact you and give you a go, um, you know, they could always contact me and I can contact you or whatever, but I, I would love to think that you were given a, another go and and I am not taking away for one minute the hurt and everything um, and the stress as I said in the intro of um, the um, co- the offense that you committed and what that must have done to your friend and her business and whatever absolutely but as you say um, just uh, you have done your time and 
I just think if there was somebody out there that wanted to give you a go. I um, I have a 100 hours placement that I need to do to complete my um, diploma of community services and and. I would love to do that in a variety of um, different organisations. I don't want to do 100 hours in just, say, domestic violence or the orange door. I would love to be able to do it in, you know, um, in different with different organisations to get a taste of a lot of things. So, um, yes, look, that, that would be wonderful if I could um, – something from this but it is what it is um and look if only diversion inclusion and belonging was practiced rather than just spoken about Mm. um Mm. it would make life a lot easier for a lot of people Mm. well kathy i have learned an enormous amount from you today but i also must say thank you for allowing me to read your most personal and private thoughts from your journal. And for the listeners out there, I've said to Kathy, she should think about writing a book about it, um, not wanting to profit from crime at all. I, I don't quite know how we get around that, but it was just so fascinating to read, you know, how you managed and what you thought. And I just say thank you for allowing me into that part of your world because it, um, it is enlightening's probably the wrong word, but it it doesn't hurt to see how the other half lives sometimes. So anyway, look, thank you. I hope your uh, insight into the consequences of uh, committing crimes helps somebody out there. And I think my message and yours, I'm presuming, is don't do it. It will change your life, and it will never be the same. Thank you, Narelle. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Kathy. Hey, it's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. But to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser Interviews, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating and even a review. And please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.